What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Cressy. And I'm Allie. And today we are revisiting the musical masterpiece that is folklore. And the funny thing is, we actually recorded this episode about two weeks ago. And you know what? Gotta love Taylor. She just keeps giving us more things to talk about. Yeah, Grammy nominations and a whole new folklore movie on Disney Plus that none of us expected. Nope. It, again, Taylor has screwed up our plans. Yep. She's done this, uh, like, what, three times now, Allie, where we have an episode <laughs> recorded and, like, ready to go. And then she does something and we're like, well, gotta start over. <laughs> yeah, we had to start from scratch on this. So as a result, we are going to start this episode with a little folklore update and follow that with our original Folklore Revisited episode we recorded weeks ago. And we also want to say thank you. We asked y'all for all of your new thoughts on Folklore now that it's been months, and y'all did not disappoint. So we're going to share the answers y'all gave us along the way. Yes, thank y'all so much. We love hearing from you, and now we can't wait to share some of your own thoughts on Folklore on this podcast episode, which is also a good reminder of our upcoming Swifty Confessions episode coming up in December. Yes, and because Taylor has done it again, (laughs) we have to extend the deadline. I mean, there's just so much more to confess about now. There's so much more content with the movie and the Grammys, so we're pushing it back to December 13th. You can remember that by it's Taylor's birthday. Yep. So please send us any of your Taylor Swift revelations, rants, raves, theories, anything that's on your mind 
to gfaweekend at gmail.com. That's gfaweekend at gmail.com. And please put your name in there or what you want to be referred to as. Could be a username, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get crazy with it. We can't wait to hear all that you have to say because we know if you're taking the time to listen to a Taylor Swift podcast, odds are you probably have a lot to say about Taylor also. We are so excited to hear your confessions and we are also so excited to announce our signed folklore CD and merch giveaway. Yeah, Mm. you heard it here first. All you need to do to be entered is write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of it and email it to gfaweekend at gmail.com. You can also throw in a confession in there while you're at it. Two birds, Mm -hmm. one stone. And you have until December 31st to submit your entry in the contest. This is U.S. and international. Anyone can win. And that's not all. It's not all. (laughs) Nope. You not only get a signed CD... But you also get to pick out a shirt from Taylor's merch on her website. That's two beautiful things to start your new year with. Sign Taylor, autograph, new merch, folklore everything, boom. So without further ado, let's dive in to some Taylor updates. Starting with our most recent Taylor updates from the Grammy nominations and her new movie, followed by our Folklore Revisited recording from two weeks ago. So let's start with Taylor's new Grammy nominations that came out two days ago. Yes, we're recording this on Thanksgiving. We would not want to spend Thanksgiving any other way than giving thanks to Taylor and both being by ourselves in our apartments alone, not with our families, and doing nothing but talking about Taylor. (laughs) Social distance to the max. Like, Allie's got some wine, I've got a tub of ice cream in front of me, it's 2pm, we're just straight (laughs) vibing right now. (laughs) This is our Thanksgiving feast. This is it. (laughs) I'm gonna have some macadamia nuts later, get crazy. Like, imagine if we were actually at family dinner. Our families would not sit around the table talking about Taylor. <laughs> but no, look at what we're doing now. Not. Here we are. Not with this the is, mic out, that's for sure. This is Thanksgiving 2.0. Wait, let's come up with a nickname for Thanksgiving. You know how Bangsgiving is a thing? Oh, yeah, that's from New New Girl. Yeah, from New Girl. Okay. Is there, like, a Taylor twist we could do on it? You know, like, Swiftness? Taygiving? Taysgiving? Taysgiving. That's it. That's the one. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, let's go. Thanksgiving. So not only are we recording this on Thanksgiving, but boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of things to be thankful for. Taylor was nominated for six Grammys this year. And why don't we just start diving into each nomination? Cressy? Yeah, and I have a cute little story. I got my haircut done for the first time in forever a few days ago, two days ago. Because it was disgusting, and my hairdresser and I watched this live on my phone with the turn sideways as we were waiting for my toner to set in. I think it's toner, maybe glaze, whatever that sauce is that they put in your hair. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like, after the highlights, it's like step two. Like, (laughs) that's what we were waiting, and we waited while watching the Grammy updates. And I was so happy to see Folklore was nominated for Album of the Year. And I love that Taylor and her special team that worked on Folklore got to celebrate this. She tweeted this picture and Instagrammed it. I'm not sure if she put it anywhere else, but basically she's cheersing with wine on Skype or FaceTime, Zoom, 
with Jack Antonoff, Aaron Dessner, and Jonathan Lowe. And the caption is, ask us how our day's been. It's so cute. Aww. And also, shout out to Jack Antonoff for his nomination for producer of the year. Yeah. And shout out to Taylor for drinking wine around noon, much like I am right now on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and for not being pregnant. And for not so being she can, pregnant. So she can drink wine. It's not fake. <laughs> not fake wine. That's oh a callback to our last episode. If you want to hear us rant about fake wine not existing, just yeah, I dial really, it back. I really bet she's drinking grape juice again, just to really set in the joke yeah. for us. You know, <laughs> Months later. like I cannot. Ugh. But beyond the Album of the Year nomination, which is obviously what we were all hoping for, very excited about that, Cardigan was nominated for Song of the Year. It was also nominated for Best Pop Solo Performance. Then, Exile was also nominated for Best Pop Duo slash Group Performance. Which I was surprised by. Really? I don't know. I feel like Bon Iver and Taylor Swift, that's kind of like an easy win. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, maybe it just doesn't fit in with what I think of as pop, you know? Yeah, well, we will get into that because that is interesting to say the least. She also was nominated for Best Song Written for Visual Media for Ghost from Cats. This was announced before anything related to folklore. And whenever I saw this, I was like, yes, we've got one down. Probably four to five more to go. <laughs> We're in for a ride. <laughs> and the first was Cats. That's yep, so that was the first yeah. thing that uh, she was nominated for. Threw me for a loop. Right? Um, I kind of, like, was confused when I saw it. I wasn't watching it live, but when I saw Beautiful Ghosts included, I was, like, a little confused that it was nominated this year. My sense of time is completely off. Yeah. Yeah, it just threw me off. It feels like that was a lifetime ago. And you're, like, waiting to hear folklore, 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 and then you hear mm-hmm. Beautiful Ghosts from Cats. Like, her her last movie wasn't even out then. Miss Americana. Like, that was two yeah. movies ago. Yeah, she is She is just throwing out movies like hotcakes. Um, <laughs> and lastly, Folklore was also nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album. We are very happy for Taylor. But, you know, as usual, there's also some drama surrounding the Grammys this year. And, you know, as Taylor says, she swears she doesn't love the drama. It loves her. Yep. And there is some drama. For instance, outside of Taylor, Justin Bieber was not very happy about being placed in the pop category when his album was created very um, meticulously, as he said, as an R&B album. I am only bringing this up because I think it's interesting considering Taylor was also placed within the pop category when Folklore is very obviously not pop. And like we mentioned earlier... Exile was nominated for Best Pop Duo slash Group Performance when it's Taylor and Bonnie Bear. Bonnie Bear is not pop by any means. That's probably their first pop nomination. So it is kind of interesting how the Grammys um, have been grouping, you know, like Taylor, Justin, automatically as pop when they're not. So really I got to interrupt you, music. Allie. Yeah. Really into the Grammys. Okay, let's see. I hear know it. this shit. So they submitted to be in those categories. Oh. Justin is just an idiot and didn't know that his team submitted him to be in pop. I don't know if they also submitted him to be considered for R&B, but uh, Taylor submitted her album Folklore for consideration for Best Pop. 
You can what? submit for like anything. Yeah. So Justin's an idiot. It makes it even worse. Like, no, like your team did that. Like you have to like put it up for consideration. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You have to like campaign for it. Your team does. He fooled me because then I was like, shit, that is weird that not only was he categorized as that and Taylor. Shit. Okay. Why do you think now, Taylor... I don't know that for sure. Maybe Justin is right. Maybe it was submitted for R&B, but I, I feel like his team submitted everything that was eligible for everything that was eligible, you know? Do you... That's just a smart thing to do. So maybe, maybe then, for instance, Justin could have submitted to R&B as well as pop. Yes. Maybe Taylor submitted for alternative as well as pop. I don't remember seeing it for anything other than pop and album of the year, but I'm also not Taylor's team, so. But, like, wasn't, Folklore was listed on Spotify as alternative. Yes, that's correct. So, kind of interesting politics there, then whether it was her team or the Grammys. I don't think there's an alternative album of the year category. I looked. There is. There is? Yeah. Politics, yeah. man. Speaking politics. of Grammy politics. Yeah. Whew. So. <laughs> Let's dive in. Taking a deep breath. Yeah. The weekend mm-hmm. was completely snubbed. I don't even know if snubbed is even a strong enough word for this. Because I truly thought the entire Grammys this year was going to be between The weekend and Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think he was her biggest competition. He has, like, the best-selling album chart-wise. Mm-hmm. His song, Blinding Lights, was number one forever. It's critically mm-hmm. acclaimed. I saw someone compare it to his 1989 era. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And... He wasn't nominated for anything. Mm-hmm. And we have since heard from TMZ that apparently it was because he had to choose between performing for the Super Bowl or performing at the Grammys. And he chose performing at the Super Bowl. Can you blame him? <laughs> yeah, that's way, that's such a bigger audience. So yeah. then the Grammys basically was like, all right, fuck you. Bye. But then The weekend tweeted this yesterday, and this kind of changes it. I don't know if TMZ is slightly wrong, completely wrong. I don't know. But The weekend tweeted yesterday that he had been working with the Grammys for weeks on his performance. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like they were actually having a performance in the works. And he said in his tweet, in my opinion, no nominations equals no invite. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, you know, like, why would you ask me to perform if I'm not even going to get nominated for one thing, you know? Yeah. So I just, it makes me kind of sad and no disrespect to any of the other album of the year candidates. I think Dua is definitely a, Dua's a big been rocking contender. it lately. Or rocking it lately. Yeah. Rocking ladies. But um, it just, it's not exciting anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like, I just feel like, Taylor's definitely going to win. You know, I mm-hmm. if she doesn't, then, you know, you can play this back to me and be like, ha ha, look, you were wrong. Okay, like, mm-hmm. I was wrong. But I think she's, I think it's a shoe in at this point. And it sucks because mm-hmm. it's like, that's not exciting. There's no competition. That's not fair for Taylor. She worked really hard on this. She should earn it. 
even more so, it just puts her in a bad position if she does win. Because people mm-hmm. are always going to say, well, if The Weeknd was nominated, she wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that because he wasn't, even though he should have been. And I want to bring up, Nicki Minaj tweeted in response to these nominations. She tweeted, quote, Never forget, the Grammys didn't give me my Best New Artist Award when I had seven songs simultaneously charting on Billboard and bigger first week than any female rapper in the last decade. Went on to inspire a generation. They gave it to the white man, Bon Iver. Hashtag Pink Friday. So I think this tweet is funny. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a... Uh, she could have chosen a lot of different examples, mm-hmm. but that wasn't a good one because, first of all, Bon Iver... Uh, it's a band. It's not a person. It's not mm-hmm. a white man. You know, like yeah, it's, it's yeah, a group. She's a little off. Yeah. And Bon Iver was also featured on a song that she was on Monster. So yeah. like they have worked together. And I I don't know. It just felt weird. And now he's like technically nominated along with Taylor. So yeah. then it brings Taylor into this mess. She always just gets dragged into everything. I it just it was weird to me. But I do agree that. I would be upset too. Like if I had that much charting and going on for me, I feel like I would think I was going to get it too. So I get where she's coming from, but I feel like she could have chosen a better example. And her fans, Barb's, the Barb's, that's what they're called, Mm -hmm. um, like accidentally attacked Bon Jovi on Twitter. No. Because Bon Iver isn't a person, you know? Yeah. And I guess they just typed in Bon, and they were mistaking Bon Jovi for Bon Iver. And something that I want to say about Nicki Minaj, like, I actually, I do think that she really inspired a generation Mm -hmm. of female rappers, and I think Nicki Minaj deserves all the credit. And this tweet was actually the first time that I started to think about the Grammys in terms of who was actually charting. Like you said, Mm -hmm. The weekend had a better, you know, year than almost everyone in terms of charts, sales, etc. I don't know all the details, but you get what I'm saying. Um, you know, and I was like, wow, like, there is a certain thing, like, if you are having that much success, you should expect a Grammy. Like, Reputation, everyone thought it was a flop. So, you know, and then it didn't, did it receive any Grammy nominations or none at all? It got one. It was the best pop album or whatever that yeah. one yeah okay that's what i, I think thought. so mm-hmm. um well everyone thought reputation was a flop which is probably why it wasn't brought up for any other grammys but it ended up being a huge success for taylor and she didn't get any grammy nominations which i know that you were super nervous about this for like days leading up to the grammy nominations you were like oh my god what if it's reputation all over again i know but i will say we need to mention race being a huge part of this. Like, Nicki Minaj and The Weeknd, as people of color, I think they have a right to be upset when things happen with the Grammys because this is not new and mm-hmm. nothing has really changed. This is, I mean, Mariah Carey doesn't have a single Grammy. Mm-hmm. That's that's insane. Yeah, Mariah that does Carey. Not make, that's, I can't even, like, compute that. Like, my brain yeah. just doesn't, like, it... This is just not new information, and it sucks that it's 2020, and so much has happened in 2020 in those regards to say in very few words. We obviously don't have time to unpack every single thing that happened in 2020, Mm -hmm. because it was a lot, and I'm sure everyone listening knows. So it just seems extremely tone deaf as well, 
And I don't know, I just, I think The Weeknd really deserved to be up there and it sucks that he is so angry right now. I would be so angry too. So let's get into all the things we learned from the Long Pond Sessions, starting with Jack Antonoff is Cressy's type. Cressy, why don't you share a little bit about I, this? I realized some things while watching this movie. I never really got it, you know? Never really got the appeal. I was like, how does he have, like, two women that want to be yeah. with them? And I was like, whatever. And then just as he talked and used big words, I was just like, yep. I see it. Oh my god. I, I get it now. Wood bang. Um, even though he's just only 5'8", I'm 5'11", I would make it work. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's just start there. Um, I'll admit it. So in response to when Cressy was texting me this last night. I had a revelation. It. I finally got it. I never got it. But now I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. The glasses. Love the glasses. So Cressy and I must have opposite types because I actually sat there hating Jack Antonoff. Oh, his personality is the worst. Oh my god! Like you say, like big words. Like I was just like, like please stop. And then I and also like like his facial expressions while he was like on the drums. (laughs) He did seem like it was almost like uh, a performance. Oh my god, he was so into the music. I almost like it felt so natural. Yes. Okay. Like, even if that was performing, I was like, I'm feeling it. I'm it here was, for it. He is so talented. It seemed like he was feeling the music from within. So I get the appeal there. But the whole time I was watching it, every time he was part of Taylor's commentary, like their little interview when she was in the badass outfit with the cute hat, um, I was just like, okay, whenever he talked, I was like, stop cutting off Taylor. Do not talk over Taylor. And she would even, like, keep talking. Like, if someone tried to butt in, she was like, mm-mm, this is my show. And mm-hmm. I was like... Fuck yeah, Taylor. Talk over men. Even though those are good men, you know? Yeah. Um, but I felt like Jack sometimes tried to bet in, which, I mean, that's how a conversation goes. But um, I felt like I sat there the whole time, every time Jack was shown, and I just kept thinking about how he screwed over Lena. Lena? I don't know why I'm struggling with Lena's name today. But I kept thinking about how he screwed over Lena Dunham, and I kept thinking about how Lena Dunham was probably watching this, like, Ugh! I wanted to punch him. I don't know. And I wanted to bang him. I, like, such opposite reactions. I think it's the glasses and the talent and the and the big words. I'm so easily fooled. I think it is... Men can def- trick me so quickly. He puts off a big dick energy, for sure. Yes! Like, yeah. he, like, walks in a room and it's like, it's his room. Yeah, no, he Like, Taylor does that, that too, and I feel like, like, only he and Taylor, like, have that energy. It's like a very select few people who, like, like Mick Jagger, you know? Like, he walks yeah. in a room and it's his room. He's putting out the energy. Like, he's like, I'm here. I'm Jack. Come over. You know? I I don't know. Yeah. I should also say that I am a fan of the Bleachers. Okay. And I really like their music. So that's probably another big part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely into musicians. But also, we just got to thank him. You know? Yeah. Thank you for being such an awesome producer and writer with Taylor. And also, thank you for We Are Young by Fun. (laughs) <laughs> I love that song still. Wait, it's so did good. That? Did he produce Yes, that? he was a part of fun. Okay, yeah. He has some major musical talent. He that is for sure. Creates culture. 
And with the whole thing of been using big words, too, I felt like Taylor definitely has been using a lot of big words lately. Duplicitous. Duplicitous. She said it twice. Not yeah. once, but twice. I was so proud. It's just a lot of, um, you know, syllables in a lot of these words. Man, now I really want bang Jack. <laughs> Much to think about. Much to think about. Um, Maybe I'll send him some DMs on Twitter. Like, hey, I'm like a thousand inches taller than you, but let's make it work. I mean... I'm in Atlanta. You can find me. When I was in my younger days, I went through a short guy thing. I think it's natural. You did? You know? When? Was I your friend at the time? I feel um, like I would have stopped that fast. It was... Allie has uh, my same height, just so you guys know I'm not just being a dick. Like, we are both very, no. very tall women. Yeah, I, like, I went through a stage where... I think it was a confidence stage. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm tall. That's fine. Guys are going to be shorter than me. Doesn't mean I can't like them. And I just, yeah. like, I really ran with that for a few months. And then I kind of went back to tall guys. But, you know, yeah. it's fine. It's just a preference yeah. thing. Yeah. My boyfriend now is 6'3", and I love him for it, so... Also, just your millionth reminder, I introduced (laughs) Sam to Allie. You're welcome, world. Yeah. Love. We've said that a thousand Well, speaking of love, speaking of love. And lovers and tall lovers. And tall lovers. um, Probably the biggest revelation from the long pond sessions is that William Bowery is Joe. It's not Harry Styles. No. It's Joe. Joe, I'm so glad it's all cleared up. I know, me too. Like, and it just, like, came out so casually. They even did a little bit of a bit with it. Like, Jack tried to act like he didn't know it was Joe. Yeah. And it was, like... He's so attractive. <sighs> okay. Well, yeah. Attracted to some. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I love a good bit. You gotta commit to the bit. He committed. <laughs> True. Um, but Joe plays piano, and so Taylor just kind of wrote about how he would play certain piano pieces, and he wrote the piano part to Exile and was singing the Bon Iver part. He wrote the first verse, and Cressy, what did you send me before this episode about that first verse of Exile? Oh my gosh. Oh my so god. So I saw this, I saw this tweet, and I sent it to Allie today, <laughs> and it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So the first picture was a photo of Taylor taken at the 2016 Met Gala, more commonly known as Bleachella. She's dancing with Tom Hiddleston, and he's, like, got his arm, like, around her, and they're, like, laughing and dancing. It's, like, a, I think it's, like, a few photos. It shows that they're laughing and dancing. And then the next picture next to it is a screenshot of Exile lyrics. Mm -hmm. Do you want to read the lyrics, Allie? Oh, Absolutely. Because as we know, Joe met Taylor at this Met Gala. So this first verse that Joe was singing that they ended up using in exile goes, I can see you standing, honey, with his arms around your body, laughing, but the joke's not funny at all. I was nowhere to be found. I hate the crowds. You know that. Plus, I saw you dance with him. I just got chills. I literally Uh, have chills in my body. Literally, that puts Exile in a completely new frame of reference. Yes, because first of all, we love Bleachella. Secondly, yes. Joe wrote it? Yeah. And the piano? And who knew he was that talented? And thirdly, it's just a good song. Oh, and the fact that it goes, I'm not your homeland anymore. I was like, I remember in their very first folklore episode, I was like, that mm-hmm. was the one thing that scared me about a potential breakup 
was I'm not your homeland anymore. Mm -hmm. And to know, like, you know, obviously they're not broken up, but the fact that they wrote this together and, like, from that point of view. Mm -hmm. Oh! Hot damn. Hot damn. He saw Taylor that night. It was not... uh, Let's bring it back to reputation. You should take it as a compliment that I'm talking to everyone here but you. But it was flipped. He was into her, too. Yeah. While she wasn't talking to him. And the fact that they're now... It worked. They're now writing songs together. Like, can you think of a more perfect person... Oh, my gosh. ...than Joe for Taylor? Like, not only is he, like, grounded and, like, very, like, secretive and everything like that, but he's also artistically inclined and will just write songs with Taylor. And Taylor is the best songwriter of our generation. Like, can you imagine them playing the piano together and just, like, ripping off each other and, like, making up, like, silly songs and stuff and, or just, like, you know, just riffing, like, having, oh, it's so adorable. What a life. And Jack said, when Taylor came to him and said, Joe and I wrote this song together, he said, what, like, a stupid couple song about, like, your pets or something? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so funny. (laughs) Because that would be, like, what you would expect. And then, um, also, we find out later in the movie that Joe sang the fully formed chorus of Betty from another room. And the way Taylor describes it is she, like, runs across the room to, like, the other room where he's in and is like, um, excuse me, uh, what was that? What was that chorus of Betty that I just heard you sing? Um, and Taylor thought that, like, writing with Joe could be weird and they could hate it, but it ended up being so great. And let's just, let's take it back again. Remember the last time Taylor wrote a song with her boyfriend? Oh, with Calvin? Calvin Harris. Yeah. And then he denied it and said it would never happen, even though they had already done it. And then they, like, broke up right after that because of the way he was so anti-collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, almost like he didn't even want to be associated with Taylor, like, yeah. musically, which is so fucked up. And now, wow. she's just goofing around with Joe. Ugh, and I, he's I writing mean, Joe courses? was actually just, Joe was just goofing around with himself. Like, yeah. he didn't even come to her with this. He was just singing around the house. And Exile, I guess, with pop duo performance, like, would he be part of that Grammy? Does he get his own Grammy if he's a writer on that? I think so. I think he would. Just joke. I think it would be engraved to William Bowery, though, right? Oh, probably. But honestly, still really cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When we were talking about William Bowery and how you said that it was Bilbo from Lord of the Rings, that was fun. But was I wrong, though? Because, like, the Lord of the Rings, England. Done. But there were other reasons. Joe Alwyn's grandfather, who was a musician, his name was William. So, like, that's probably how they got the William name. But where did Bowery come from? Other than Bilbo from (laughs) Bilbo Packets. There was a theory that maybe it was a Bowery hotel in New York. Oh, the Bowery ballroom, right? But also, that was included in the theory that it was Harry Styles, was that, like, Taylor and Harry, like, went there or something. So, like, it could have been argued for both. So Wait. Wait, 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 wait. If it was the Bowery Ballroom, if that's how they got the last name, think about this. Invisible String, Bad Was the Blood of the Song in the Cab on your first trip to L.A., you ate at my favorite spot for dinner. 
And she is always photographed coming out of Bowery Ballroom. So William Bowery, her favorite spot for dinner, it's almost like she included his. So wait, it's it's also a dinner place in LA. Possibly. I have okay. no idea. So I was thinking about like the fancy hotel in New York. Mm. The only reason I know Bowery Ballroom is because it was the last sighting of Carly Kloss, Serena Williams, Serena. and Taylor Swift yep. coming out of Bowery Ballroom. Let's look up if it's in LA or New York, because if he went to Bowery Ballroom for his dinner in LA on his first trip when he also listened to Bad Blood. I think we just solved it. I think we just, she put hints in the whole thing. She was like, do my fans know my favorite restaurant? Let's see. The Bowery Ballroom. Oh, it's in New York. Shit! (laughs) Shit, 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 (laughs) shit. Shit. Um... Let me look up Bowery Ballroom, L.A. <laughs> Cross your fingers. No, it's only in New York. Okay, shit. Well, you know, it's still possible. <laughs> she yeah, could have drawn from multiple inspirations. So speaking of a writer on folklore, we should also talk about Aaron Dessner. Made a nice appearance in folklore. So mm-hmm. she was nervous to work with him, and he didn't know if it was a real text when she asked him to work with him in quarantine. Because... Remember, Taylor just straight up texted him. I was like, hey, want to write some stuff together? Like, (laughs) what's up, Dash Taylor Swift? (laughs) You up? And we also learned that Aaron Dustner and Bryce Dustner are two different people. They're twins. (laughs) But Aaron was the main one, right? Yeah, Aaron did a lot. Okay. Um, They're both in the National Bryce is featured in the interview with Taylor where she's sitting on the couch in that velvet dress and Aaron is the one in the interviews with Jack Antonoff and the interviews outside. They are identical. My interpretation is Aaron helps more lyrically and Bryce helps more musically. So the first time I watched this movie, I thought that they were both Aaron Dessner. Me too. I did not know that there was a Bryce Dessner. No, me neither. Because I've, I've never, never seen like- his name in the interviews. And I was never, like, a big national fan. And actually, when I was watching this over again to prepare for this episode, I just happened to be glancing at the screen with the interview in the couch, like, with the interview on the couch with Taylor in the velvet dress. And I just happened to see the Bryce Dessner. And I was like, what? Who's that? Like, I was <laughs> Where'd like, he come from? And they are identical. So you would just assume, I bet that most people out there assume it's still Aaron Dessner because... Um, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I never really paid too much attention to the National. I'm sure mm-hmm. I would love them. I might listen to them now, but I never really knew there was a set of twins in the National. Is it possible that Bryce is just friends through Aaron now? Because he wasn't credited for folklore. Uh, they talked about Bryce. The reason I think that he helps a lot musically is they credited Bryce for like sending certain instrumentals to Taylor. Okay. The fact that he sent the musical arrangement for Peace. I'm not positive. I'd have to watch the movie again, but I think he was also the person that sent her the instrumental for Mad Woman. That was Bryce, but I know for a fact they are two different people. Okay. I was shocked. Because the first time I watched it, I thought it was all Aaron. Well, listeners, Ali texted me and I was like, I didn't know Aaron and Bryce were two different people. And I thought she meant Justin Vernon. I was like, you mean Justin? What? (laughs) They look so different. (laughs) But no, there was a third person 
Aaron and Bryce are straight up identical. If you watch the movie listeners and you didn't realize there were two different people, they are two different people. Aaron and Bryce, two different. You probably Ooh. thought it was all Aaron, but it's not. Anyway, so let's move on with My Tears Ricochet, track five. So this was the first song Taylor wrote for Folklore, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she talks about how she specifically chose it for track five. And this was interesting to me when she talked about how she, like, kind of feels pressured to choose the perfect track five because Mm -hmm. she feels like fans expect it to be a very sad song. And that made me kind of sad because, you know, like, Mm -hmm. that was never purposeful. That was just something her fans picked up on. That was, like, track five tends to be sad. And then Taylor was like, well, I guess I'll, like, make that happen, you know? And now it's like, she should be able to order her songs however she wants. It makes me sad. Yeah. yeah, but I also think it's, on the flip side, I also think it's kind of cool that she has such a relationship with her fans mm-hmm. that so many fans are, like, so ready for track five. Like, I bet there's some fans out there that play track five first mm-hmm. when they get a new album. I bet there are people out there that are like, track mm-hmm. five, let's go, and then we'll start from the mm-hmm. top of the album. But is it limiting her creative endeavors? Because the order of songs is very important, and we know that she's very particular about this. I think that it could be limiting. And also, like, what if her next album, she came out and made her track five, like, super happy? Which I think is something that she could do and just kind of, like, surprise her fans. And That would be a beautiful metaphor, too. Yeah, like, I'm so happy now. Mm -hmm. And something that I brought up to Cressy within our text is, honestly... I'm sorry if this is a downer for some people, but with how COVID and quarantine and everything's going, I think that it's very possible that we will have another Taylor album before there's a concert again. Yep. I think that it's extremely possible. Live in-person concert. Yeah, like live in-person, which I think is why the Folklore movie is so great. Like, it gives us that concert. But I think that there will be... Most likely another album before we have a in-person concert again. I hope not. Not because I don't want another album, but I hope she spends some time just, like, reveling in how awesome folklore is, you know? Much to think about. Taylor's mirrorball commentary. Holy shit. Um, So we have, like, pretty much the entirety of her mirrorball commentary written out that we're going to read by quote by quote we're going to break it up because there is a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. here it was honestly the shining moment of the whole movie for me yeah everything she said with the mirrorball commentary it's almost like mirrorball is my new number one (laughs) yeah i already love this song as i said in our first folklore episode we've only had two right i feel like we've had like 10 because we've recorded so yeah Well, and you're going to hear our Folklore Revisited recording yeah. after this. I, <laughs> so I, I have loved this song, and this made me love it even more, just knowing mm-hmm. how much it means to Taylor. Let's, let's get into this quote. All right, here's the beginning of what Taylor says. Quote, In Folklore, there are a lot of songs that reference each other or lyrical parallels, and one of the ones that I like is the entire song, This Is Me Trying, then being referenced again in Mirrorball, which is, I've never been a natural, all I do is try, end quote. So Taylor second-guessed writing that line because she was worried about it being too true. I thought that that revelation alone was just nuts. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. 
I did not pick up on that, but I see what she means. And I, I'll say this as a True Taylor fan. She might not be the best vocal artist out there on the scene right now. Mm -hmm. Taylor fights for her position in the music industry. And she does that through not only her songwriting, which obviously she has been awarded for and, you know, praised for endlessly. Also her performance value and the amount of heart she puts in her music. Mm -hmm. So she's saying, I've never been a natural. All I've done is try, try, try. Mm-hmm. And she and her and Jack kind of look at each other at that moment and they're like, Taylor was like, do I put that in? That feels too honest. That's why we love you, Taylor. Like, you're just, you're yeah. putting your best out there each and every time. It's how I took it. Like, yeah, I've never I, been a natural. I don't think it's like rude to say that she isn't a naturally beautiful singer. Like, her voice has grown so much. But mm-hmm. especially like when she was like a child or like a really young teen, like, it yeah. sounds a lot different and definitely like a lot of that is from maturity but 99% of that is from training and just how hard she worked to sing better not that it was bad but you know what I mean yeah what was the song that we read in um or that we talked about in MySpace Taylor where she said it was the best lyric I've ever written cold as you cold as you she thought cold Mm -hmm. as you was the best lyric she ever Mm -hmm. wrote And now we see folklore. All I do is try, try, try. I think that this is a beautiful metaphor for how whatever it is you're you're doing in your life, listeners, us, you know, just keep trying. Just keep putting yourself out there, you know? Be a Taylor Swift in your own realm, you know? Like, you don't have to be a natural, but if you have that heart, put it out there. I love, I mean, that just made Taylor seem so human to me. So the quote goes on. And Taylor says, quote, Mirrorball, sometimes when I'm writing to an instrumental track, I'll push play and I'll immediately see a scene set. And this was one of those cases where I just saw, you know, lonely disco ball, twinkly lights, neon signs, people drinking beer by the bar, a couple of stragglers on the dance floor. Just sort of a sad, moonlit, lonely experience in the middle of a town that you've never been, end quote. Love that imagery of just like a disco ball, just like spinning, nothing going on around it. What I thought was so sensational about this part of the quote was just the fact that Taylor sees the scene just from the music. Mm -hmm. I was blown away, but there's so much more to this quote. So, oh yeah, let's continue. Quote, and I was just thinking, okay, so we have mirror balls in the middle of a dance floor because they reflect light. They are broken a million times, and that's what makes them so shiny. We have people like that in society, too. They hang there, and every time they break, it entertains us. And when you shine a light on them, it's this glittering, fantastic thing. Then, a lot of the time, when the spotlight isn't on them, they're just still up there on a pedestal, but no one's watching them. So Ooh. this was a lot to unpack because... I don't know if you listeners know this, but I love disco. I'm into it. And I never realized how sad disco balls are (laughs) until now. Like, they are broken pieces of glass, you know, that only shine when a light's on them. When there's no light, they're just, it's just broken glass super glued to a sphere. So I thought that was a beautiful metaphor that I never even thought of as a person who probably sees more disco balls than the average person. I think this song was wrongly, no offense, Allie, because I know you did this a little bit. I think it was wrongly 
brought into the love triangle narrative. And yeah. now we see it it just isn't. No. It's about like like fame and loneliness or like wanting the approval and the attention and like what it's like after you get the approval and attention. It's almost as personal as My Tears Ricochet mm-hmm. is on the album. For sure. It would have been a good track five. And it's just, it's so much bigger than impressing a man. So much it's So bigger. much bigger than wanting James' attention. So continuing on Mirrorball, Taylor says, quote, It was a metaphor for celebrity, but it's also a metaphor for so many people who have to feel like, well, everybody feels like they have to be on for certain people. You have to be different versions of yourself for different people. Different versions at work, different versions around friends, different versions of yourself around different friends, different versions of yourself around family. Everyone has to be duplicitous or feels like they have to be duplicitous and that's part of the human experience, but it's also exhausting. And you kind of learn that every one of us has the ability to become a shapeshifter. But what does that do to us? End quote. Beautiful. Eloquence. (laughs) brilliance just like honestly i'm hanging on every part of her words there okay continuing the quote quote and it was also the first time and one of the only times that the time that we're living through was actually lyrically addressed i think that the pandemic and lockdown and all of that runs through this album like a thread because it's an album that allows you to feel your feelings and it's a production of isolation. It's a product of all of this, you know, rumination on what we are as humans, blah, blah, blah. But this is the first time in the bridge saying they called off the circus, burned the disco down when they sent home the horses and the rodeo clowns. I wrote this song right after I found out all my shows were canceled. And it's like, I'm still on that tightrope. I'm still trying everything to keep you, get you laughing at me. I realized here I'm writing all of this music, still trying, and I know I have an excuse to sit back and not do something, but I'm not, and I don't know why that is. End quote. So here I feel like it's brought back to Taylor's perspective. When she said Mm. that the whole, like, rodeo clowns were sent home and everything like that, I definitely did not pick up on the fact that she was talking about her own shows at all. Same. Originally. (laughs) Um... I, when she said that, I was like, that makes so much more sense. I just, like, I really did not think about Mirrorball in any sense of the way about Taylor and her experience mm-hmm. at all. I thought it was wholly the experience of the third woman in the James Betty scenario, viewing James and saying, like, I'm trying so hard to keep you looking at me. Not once did I think it was about Taylor. Me neither. Um, but let's continue on to other songs. What I really loved about her commentary on August was that she was saying that this is coming from the point of view of the other woman and that the other woman in a situation like this where she is viewed as the third woman, the woman who the boy gets tempted by, etc. That woman is usually portrayed as the bad girl. But I love that Taylor recognizes and really vocalizes the fact that Augusta, Augustine, she really had feelings for James. And the fact that she's not a bad person. She mm-hmm. got played by James. It's you- totally a callback to Better Than Revenge. And like the growth. Uh, just something quickly I wanted to know about Seven. I was kind of disappointed that she didn't go into more detail about this. Um, she talks about it being about, you know, how 
when she was a toddler, she could scream and throw tantrums and throw cereal at her mom and the grocery store and all of this. But they kind of wanted her to go deeper, especially with some of the lyrics like hide in the closet and like maybe being childhood friends with someone who's being abused or uh, whether that's physically or mentally or just whatever. And I, I wish he would have gone into that more, but yeah, that's all I have to say about Seven. Because those lines are just there and it's hard to ignore and just like think of it solely as a tantrum. Maybe if it was a real experience, she didn't feel like it was her place to share. Yeah, but I mean, she talked about uh, This Is Me Trying and how it, she was saying about her friends with addiction. Yeah. You know? And kind of moving back to August, I know we've been joining between August and seven, but I thought it was interesting that she had meet me behind the mall in her phone written for a long time. Like she said, many years she had meet me behind the mall written in her phone, wanting to write it into a song. And then that was how August was formed. Yeah, I, it's weird that that just that one line inspired a song written from the point of view of another woman, like the other woman. Yeah. You know, like just that one sentence. And the fact not to gloat, you guys will hear our folklore revisited um, recording right after this, but Taylor says that she thinks Betty and James are together. I also had no idea that Cardigan was like the point of view, like 20 years in the future. Yeah. So that, and Betty and James ending up together, it just, it changed a lot of, like, the timeline I had. Yeah. Like, it's, like, kind of a little backwards now for me. Uh, so let's talk about sports. So it turns out Taylor wanted to tell a sports story with Epiphany because she had just watched The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. So that's about what got Michael her, Jordan. Yeah, that's what got this rolling but instead it rolled into a different direction she decided Mm -hmm. to tell the story of her grandfather at guadalcanal because he never spoke about the awful things that he saw in that battle and then she thought about the trauma that medical professionals today are seeing to think about epiphany as a sports story completely just baffles my mind yeah, I'm glad it went in the direction it did, because I just can't imagine a song about sports. Let's talk about the lakes. So Taylor talks about the fact that she visited the Lake District in England, and there were a lot of poets who moved there who were heckled and called odd for moving to the lake During the romanticism was... period. Yes, especially because it was just out there and just kind of weird, um... And so she visited there with who I'm assuming was Joe, Mm -hmm. the way she talked about it. She never said it was Joe, but it sounded like Joe. When she went there, she thought about how she would move to the lakes, too, if she were um, living during that time and if she were a poet during that time. And when I heard the lakes, I thought this was like a completely imaginary place when they were trying to get out. Um, And during this commentary... Jack Antonoff actually butts in and he talks about how he thinks that Taylor has been writing about getting out forever. Yeah, having an escape plan, which sucks to think about that Taylor has an escape plan. Yeah. But also, don't we all, don't we all, like, imagine, like, let's just, I I just want to get away. 
Because I, I have that with, like, yeah. you know what? One day I'm just going to, like, buy a plane ticket to New York and just chill for a few weeks. You know, buy myself yeah. a nice hotel, room service every day, like, just get away. So it is relatable, I guess. I wish she would have mentioned the waitress, though. That was something I wanted. I wanted to know the the actual story behind the waitress that says she looked like an American singer. That would have been so fun. But I I do love her explanation of the song, even though we kind of already knew that, especially with her like actually saying like Wordsworth and and the wisteria. Like we we kind of knew, but it's still nice just how mystical and magical it sounds even though it was a real thing for her. The waitress was in Invisible String. Oh, you're right. I just got confused because that happened at the lakes. <sighs> I always think about the waitress now listening to it. Like, and I almost feel like it's like a hello from Taylor. You know, like, I know you knew it was me. You know you knew it was me, but now I'm going to address it in this song. So now that we've discussed all the new things surrounding folklore and the long pond sessions, let's dive into our edited and abridged folklore revisited recording, um, where we talk about all of our new revelations and theories that we had about folklore that came from about two weeks ago. And there are a lot of things that we think may not have been touched on in the movie. Yeah, don't click away. I know you want to. I see you looking at our podcast. Don't. Yeah, we've already talked about the songs. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about all the songs. We're only highlighting the good stuff, the juicy stuff, like the revelation that the one isn't about Selena and Justin. It's about Jack and Lena. And you may have noticed in the movie, they didn't even show Jack's face during this song. Maybe it was too painful, I don't know. Boom. (laughs) We don't know, but here we go and sit back and relax and enjoy our Folklore Revisited Fireside Chat, where we also discuss the comments that you sent in to us. So, here we go. So, Allie, I'm about to blow your freaking mind. Oh God. All right, let's hear it. I've been sitting on this for a while. Okay. I realized it after listening to the Squad episode, after we published it. What? I don't think the one is about Selena and Justin. I think it's about Lena and Jack. Actually, though, that makes a lot of sense. Because they're older, you know, it's it makes more sense to think that that person would be the one. They were together for so long, they lived together. And also Jack helped with this album. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. The one thing that makes me really believe the whole Selena and Justin thing, though, um, what is it? Is it drinking wine or drinking champagne with your chosen family? Um, just because, you know, Justin and uh, Haley are obviously, like, so public about it. I don't know. But that's kind so of So I'm actually, I'm actually glad that you called out that line. Because that's my next okay. one. I want to talk about and this is also gonna blow your mind so I also realized this when I was re-listening to the squad episode after we published it and I was not the only one so if you will take a moment Allie to think about the squad episode when we read Taylor's 30 lessons I learned before 30 the ones that pertain to friendships 
Number 20, learning the difference between lifelong friendships and situationships. Something about we're in our young 20s hurls people together in groups that can feel like your chosen family. <gasps> Whoa. Chosen family. She said that in her December article. And Swiftly Canadian picked this up too. She thinks that the one could be referencing it. And she said credit to at GFA Weekend about the squad for helping make this connection. The only, you're going to hate that I'm saying this, the only other thing I think it could be connected to would be Carly Claus. Yeah, for sure. I just pulled out the lyrics to the one, and I don't know what to make of this. The line, persist and resist the temptation to ask you if one thing had been different, would everything be different today? So, like, persist and resist, that's like a very politically charged, like, the words. Mm-hmm. And Lena as we learned in our squad episode, helped Taylor become openly political. Okay. I thought you were going to lean towards Carly being married to a Kushner. Oh, oh, yeah, that could count. Yeah. And being political. Yeah. 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 She is connected to that administration. Ooh, wait. I just saw another line. I bet our listeners are so fucking annoyed with us right now. Like We're just talking in circles, but I have the lyrics in front of me and I'm seeing things. Okay, so the line, in my defense, I have none for digging up the grave another time. Let's bring it back to the look what you made me do music video. The scene where she's in a grave and it flashes just for a second and it's her and the Met Gala dress that she went to with Carly Claus. Ooh, oh my God. Okay, that... That is shaking me. Yeah, so Justin and Selena, that's definitely number three. I don't know which one's going to go first, one or two, but one and two, definitely Lena and Carly. They're way above Selena now. Digging up the grave another time. In that scene of the music video, she's literally like filling that grave with the shovel. Oh my god. Okay. That kind of convinced <laughs> me on the Carly side. I can't lie. Yeah. I mean... Me too. All right, let's move on to track two. <laughs> Cardigan. Anna from Facebook said, quote, Cardigan went from being just okay for me to literally a masterpiece. Maybe my all-time favorite Taylor song. I listen to it on repeat and get chills every time. The bridge with a bunch of sad faces, end quote. Agreed. Agreed. It's both of our number ones. It's hard to um, admit that it's number one. It is. And especially because Ivy from Instagram said, quote, I wasn't super into Cardigan at first because I feel like I don't pay as much attention to lead singles, but now I'm obsessed with it. My one lingering thought about Cardigan, and this is a reach, I feel like the piano and Cardigan is so strong. I hear a similar piano tune or melody in Hoax. Just very slowed down. Interesting. Listen carefully. Listen to the piano and cardigan and then listen to the piano and hoax. And I hear it ever so slightly. It's okay. I'll listen to it. So looking at the lyrics in front of me, I had an epiphany. Okay. So a friend to all is a friend to none. Chase two girls, lose the one. Obviously a nod to the one. Um, Mm -hmm. if you guys listened to our squad episode, you know that it was rumored. That Jack and Lord had a thing. So chase two girls, lose the one. one. Lena! 
is the one about Lena and Jack. Oh my god. And then I was thinking the first line, a friend to all is a friend to none. We can also kind of relate this to the squad episode is Taylor talking about how she wants to be friends with everyone and she wants to just be loved by everyone. And maybe Lena saw that because, spoiler alert for the episode, she does unfollow Taylor for reasons that we uh-huh. won't explain. So you have to listen to the episode. So maybe Lena's like thinking if this is from her point of view, like a friend to all is a friend to none. Like this girl, Taylor Swift, that I thought was my friend, introduced my man to Lord. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just a lot of thoughts. A friend to all is a friend to none. And Selena. Damn. Which Selena had some problems with Lord. Guys, listen to our squad episode. It's so interesting. One of my faves. Shall we move on to number three? Yes. The last great American dynasty. So Caitlin from Facebook, thank you, Caitlin, said, TL Gad was one of my early faves, but now it's definitely lower on the list. And same for me. Me too, Caitlin. Mine went down too. Personally... For me listening to it, I never really was like a big The Last Great American Dynasty person in the beginning. But now, after it's been a while with the album, I actually really love The Last Great American Dynasty. Taylor has a sneaky way of doing that to you. Like sometimes there's just a song where I really like don't love listening to it. And then like once I listen to it, like 10, 20, 30 times, I'm like, oh my God, I love this song. You know? Yeah. Moving on to number four, Exile, featuring Bonnie Vare. Faye from Instagram said, quote, I always feel like Exile may be a slight nod to when she disappeared. I think I've seen this film before. She's probably seen the downfall of other celebrities and recognized it. But the line, so I'm leaving out the side door, is maybe referencing the fact that instead of fighting it, she disappeared. End quote. So number five, track five, My Tears Ricochet. M. Lul on Reddit said, quote, I really liked Folklore the minute I heard it and loved it after a few listens. It took me a while to appreciate My Tears Ricochet, but now I think it's my absolute favorite Taylor song. The writing and production are top notch and the imagery is amazing. Yeah, it's got some good imagery. I feel like if I had things my way, this song would be my very number one. You know, like, if I really, like, every time I listen to it, I want it to be my number one. Like, I'm so here for it. But it's not my number one on the album. I'm not. I feel that way, too. Like, I respect it. I get the lyrics. I love it. Oh, but if she sang this in concert, I would flip out. Mm -hmm. I will say, after I listened to Folklore, like, on repeat for, like, the entire month, I did have to like binge reputation for a while yeah palette cleanse it went like from only folklore to only reputation reputation so. just a side note is what got me through not election day the election week because that's how long it took that album got me through because <laughs> yeah. i just needed some like badass energy thank you taylor yeah i will say folklore on the other hand got me through my first covid test i was like so nervous in the like appointment um, that I, like, literally had to listen to Folklore, and it actually really <laughs> calmed me down. What song was it? Or was it, like, the entire album? It was just the entire album. I, like, I even listened to some that, like, I don't usually pick first, like, Hoax or, you know, like, things like that, um, to prepare for this episode, and it actually made me feel, like, really at peace. Yeah. I was like, I can do this COVID test. 
Also, I just want to say to our listeners, I was really scared about the COVID test because of everyone saying the stick is so big and touches your brain or whatever, all that drama. It really wasn't that bad. It's so fine. if you have symptoms, go get tested. Go yeah. get tested. It's it's it's, it's over really in a half bad. second. Yeah, and like I kind of scrunched my nose, cringed a little bit, but it like it was not that deep. Like or it was that deep, but <laughs> it was not that hard to get through. Yeah. People are being dramatic. And that's also just a flex to have that negative sheet. Did they print it out for you? Oh, yeah. They I, printed I, it I, out. I uh, taped mine into my diary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Major flex, my negative COVID test. Honestly, that's kind of like a good like piece of history yeah. to keep with you. Like if you can keep your negative with like the doctor's signature out, yeah. at the bottom. Hell yeah. And if you have tested a positive for COVID, we're really sorry. We're not trying to be elitist over here. Oh, no. Yeah, we're not gloating about our negatives. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just trying to be silly and encourage people to test. And we're really sorry if you have gotten it. I know people who have had it, and it's a nightmare, and it's terrible. And it's not mm-hmm. a fun disease to have, or illness, virus, mm-hmm. insert correct terminology. So let's move on to number eight, the eighth month, August. So... Um, my feelings really haven't changed on this since our last episode. Um, y'all, if you have been listening to the show, then you do know that this was my favorite right away. Like, as soon as I listened to Folklore, I was like, this is my favorite song. It's not the lead single. I'm not basic. Also, it's eight out of 16 tracks, which is my birthday. Wow. But now I'm like, wow, this song is really sad. It's about this desperate girl just willing to meet behind malls and parking lots for some dumb boy and you know what that just ain't me it ain't me can't relate so it's not my favorite i'm just like i don't know what she's doing girly i don't know but when i was in high school people would definitely meet at the mall and maybe like make okay. out in the mall but parking that's lot. okay but that hold yeah. on listen pay attention to the wording meet me behind the mall you just said people would go to the mall that's like a thing especially in high school you go there to be seen by other like people from your high school Saying meet me behind the mall is saying I'm ashamed of you. Behind the mall. Yeah. Like not meet me at the mall where people could see us. Yeah. I mean, isn't it like kind of a cliche to lose your virginity in a car? That's just like so far behind me, like thinking about stuff like that, that I just like, I, I don't even remember like <laughs> yeah. these conversations. Just like block it's it just out. Like, block out. That was so long ago. So let's go into This Is Me Trying, Allison. Okay, let's change this up. I've always pictured this as James trying to get Betty back. What if this is James at a low point over the summer, like completely lost, didn't know what he wanted, fell behind his classmates, like very like insecure, and that's how he ended up with the third woman. Pouring my heart out to a stranger, like pouring his heart out to this third woman, and that's how the affair began. Okay. Because he was in this like obscure moment of insecurity feeling like he's failing i hear you i respect Mm -hmm. it i kind of believe it but here's the but james is not this eloquent at this age let's (laughs) refer to the song betty i don't know anything but i know i miss you that's him trying to get a girl back that's that's the line (laughs) yeah he's not he's not as eloquent to say i was so ahead of the curve the curve became a sphere does james know what a sphere is much to think about. Yeah. Shall we move on to Mad Woman? Yes. Track number 12. Haley from Instagram. Hi, Haley. She's my friend. 
um, said, quote, Mad Woman is a song that has grown on me so much. When the album first came out, I passed it over, but now I love it. End quote. And then Faye from Instagram said, quote, I love Folklore. It's definitely one of her best albums. The empowerment of Mad Woman is amazing when she says, F you forever. I always feel so proud of her. End quote. So what are your feelings on Mad Woman, Cressy? I think it's the grown up version of the man. I like the feminist undertones mm-hmm. of it for sure. And I like that it kind of paints that picture for you of when you see an ex in public who really screwed you over. Mm-hmm. I remember when I used to work at Panera one time, an ex came in with his like new girlfriend and oh, I was so traumatic. Like, the cashier. I would have fainted. To take like an ex's order. Oh my. It's actually happened to me several times. I used to work at um, Subway in high school and I can't even imagine having to make a, like make a sandwich and have to hear them say like yeah. what sauce, what veggies, toasted, what bread, what cheese, what, you know, like all of that. Like, oh my God, that's, it just sounds awful. Yeah. It sounds mortifying. Now 13, epiphany. Epiphany. Any epiphanies about epiphany? Well, this did go down on my list. It was number 16 out of 17, and now it's 17 (laughs) out of 17. Exile grew on me more, and Epiphany just got sadder. And and it's not a bad song, but yeah, it's just, I don't think it's really anyone's favorite. I have not heard a single person say, Epiphany, Mm. that's the one. Let's move on to a happy one. Betty. Whenever we talked about Betty in our previous episode, I remember arguing with you and being like, why on earth should Betty take James back? Like, he cheated <laughs> on her. He was a shitty boyfriend. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but then I saw something. I saw, it was either yeah. on Twitter or the Taylor Swift subreddit. I don't know which one. Uh-huh. But it just completely 100% changed my outlook. And I wish I could remember what it was mm-hmm. so I could credit this person. So now I think... Betty and James were not dating. I think okay. they were friends who both really liked each other. But neither it was uh-huh. they were like, you know, like children and they were like too afraid they were like, hee hee, like too afraid yeah. to say it and everyone knew it. One of those things. Uh-huh. Will they won't they situation. But not official Jess and Nick from New Girl. Just not official, you know? Yeah. And uh-huh. Betty hopes James asks her to the dance because she has a big crush on him. And she wants that show of affection. She wants to be asked. That's such a big move in high school. And he doesn't. Uh-huh. And then at the dance, Betty is sad, dancing with some other guy, just trying to get through the night, right? Uh-huh. James sees her dancing with that other guy and it's like what the heck like wow this entire time i thought we had this whole thing it's all a lie peace out i'm gonna leave oh who is this the girl from august please take away my sadness let's hook up i'm gonna use you not on purpose but i'm just so sad i thought betty and i were endgame and we're not and now i'm moving on And then Betty finds out through Inez that the guy next door, her, the guy she's been in love with since they were little kids, is hooking up with the girl from August. 
But she had to find out through an S. <laughs> like, what? And now Betty's Dramatic. pissed. And, but she doesn't have a right to be pissed. Because they weren't together. He didn't cheat on her. She didn't cheat on him. And also, like, she was just dancing. He's actually hooking up. It just, it escalates so quickly because of, of this will they, won't they, this miscommunication. And somehow, uh, maybe Betty's just like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Or I'm mad, or blows him off. And then we get to the song, Betty, where he's like, I don't know anything, but I miss you. I am low-key so mad right now because I tried to get you to see this point of view the entire folklore episode. It took me a really long time. I didn't want to believe it until I listened to it a million times and I saw it on the internet and now now I see it. They were just friends. They were not dating. They he did not cheat on her because it was it was they were not together. The one difference from my theory from our original folklore episode was that I thought that they were together and then broke up after the whole dance and that was exile. So they broke up and then he went away for the summer and then came back and said, no, actually, I want you. That was the one difference in my theory. That's huge. And That's a huge difference. James though. is a good guy. No, I don't think he's a good guy. <sighs> you know what I'm going to do now, Cressy? I'm going to use your very argument against you. Okay. Illicit affairs. Affairs means cheating, does it not? I agree. Boom! Your own argument. I agree. But if this is one of those things where it's like, everyone knows they belong together. Everyone knows that he actually loves Betty. I'm so mad right now. So what do you think about peace? The next song is Peace. Um, I can sleep with some peace at night now that I know that Cressy has my theory, whether she admits it or not. But And I can sleep peacefully um, at night knowing that I live rent-free in Allie's head. <laughs> with my theory. Because she is riveted. Um, so, Peace. Lacey from Facebook says, quote, Peace was low on my rankings at first, but now one of my top favorites. I really, like, Peace was kind of up there for me the whole time, but I really just don't think Peace gets enough credit. I think Peace is beautiful, and I love it. I love the devils and the details, but you got a friend in me. That is gospel to me. So Juliana from Facebook said, quote, slept on hooks, and now I love it, end quote. Um... I'm going to continue to sleep on hoax. I don't hate hoax. I actually like that it ends the album with hoax. Screaming from the cliffside saying, give me a reason. It kind of reminds me of that red crash and burn heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Getting a little bit off topic, but I did, from the one little tidbit I listened to from our folklore episode, I heard it come out of my mouth. I said that folklore was better than red lyrically musically all these things and now many months later i kind of take it back i do think folklore is probably taylor's best album musically i get it like in terms of the full package but i think red is an equal amount of masterpiece just in a different way i agree so i took it back and i think folklore is just the more mature version of red yeah yeah 
But I was just saying it like so confidently <laughs> in the first episode because I was on that like folklore high, new album high. You were on a high. Um, you were on some. You were yeah. on a drug called Taylor Swift. Oh, I was. Um, but the drug only worked the first few hundred mm. times. And <laughs> True. Then I kind of was like, ooh, red is also really good. When those trees started changing colors, you were like, mm. <laughs> And then the drum from State of Grace started playing in your head, and you were like, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although uh, I am slowly creeping back in the mood to, like, Sit in candlelight, sipping wine, it's getting listening colder. to folklore. It's getting colder outside. I know. It really, it's happening. I think I'm going to go to the um, park tomorrow and listen to Red before it gets too cold. Oh my God. Wear a scarf, please. I think it's going to be like <laughs> 70 degrees outside, so thanks, Atlanta. Heck. <laughs> but now, to the lakes, where all the poets went to die. Brittany from Facebook said, quote, I slept on the lakes and regret it. Now it may be my favorite song on the album. I also used to have a theory that the trilogy was illicit affairs instead of August, but it's very obviously not. LOL. End quote. First off, I also slept on the lakes and now I love it. So I agree with you, Brittany. And then second off, it could all be a part of the whole James Betty love triangle. Yes, just some more than others. Yeah, I just, I think that you weren't wrong. I feel like illicit affairs, August, cardigan, um, this is me trying, hoax, mad woman. I don't know if I said that already. They could all be a part of it. Seven could be a part of it if they were kids during it. So mm-hmm. just agreed. I think it's all there. Agreed. This, the last great American dynasty could be a part of it. Yeah. If that's Betty later on, Rebecca. As I've yeah. said, you can argue whatever you want to argue. We have some more fan reactions that didn't fit with one particular song that we wanted to go over. Yeah. So Jessica said, quote, peace. And this is me trying. So I think she's saying that those really grew on her. Also some subtle other song references. Cardigan mentions the one in a lyric. Now I'm thinking the one may be tied in and maybe showing Betty didn't take back James. LOL. Not that I blame her. Interesting that she said that because I thought it was from the point of view of the third woman saying you could have been the one, but you weren't. Really? I don't know. Let's hear from Lauren from Instagram. Quote, as part of the theory that the whole album is the same story, I like the idea that Seven tells us Betty slash Rebecca and James are like childhood loves. Think Mary's song. And then what if Betty's party was actually like years later at Holiday House? Interesting. Or at least I like, I like the that. idea that Betty slash Rebecca threw parties in high school, then threw parties at Holiday House, end quote. I like that. That's mm-hmm. an interesting theory. Next, Katie from Instagram said, quote, Each week I have a new favorite song. This week it's August, which I slept on at first. I have a silly theory I know isn't true. Listen to illicit affairs with sex and the city in mind. The song reminds me of when Carrie and Big had an affair, end quote. I actually have heard this a couple times, um, specifically applying to the line, don't call me kid, don't call me baby. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a direct quote from Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. And we know that Taylor loves her television. Mm-hmm. She's always talking about whichever show she's watching, you know, CSI, Vampire Diaries, New Girl. I'm sure she's watched Sex in the City. So yeah. it would make a lot of sense. Shall we go on to our Reddit user? Just for viewing 8484 said, quote, 
I completely loved it from the first listen and it shot to my number one immediately. I still adore it and it has no skips for me. Parentheses. And I'd say the rest of her albums average about four skips per. In parentheses. I do think because it's all pretty same sounding, sonically cohesive, if you will, over time, it will become an album I need to be in a particular mood for, especially as I almost listen to it as a full album instead of picking particular songs. Continuing, my hot take slash conspiracy theory is that this album is a lot more personal than Taylor has indicated with her discussion on imagination running wild. Cardigan is the best example of this since she released her original voice memo, which referenced sneaking in her gold cage. This immediately made me think of the gold cage she swings in during the Look What You Made Me Do music video. Plus, her Nashville place has a big bird cage. The lyric also reminded me of the cruel summer sneaking in the garden gate lyric. Cardigan in general has real delicate slash call it what you want vibes lyrically with the whole bad reputation feeling like an old cardigan until the special someone came along. I think she added lines here later to fit into the folklore narrative and make it more opaque. My turn. Taylor has said in past interviews that she likes writing songs so that they're a picture frame around a specific moment or feeling. So I think for songs like August slash Illicit Affairs, it's not like she was actually carrying out months-long secret cheating romances, but some of the lines from those songs maybe came from how particular relationships made her feel. Parentheses, for you I would ruin myself a million little times. In parentheses. And she was able to expand it out into a story from there around a little nugget of truth. I think it's a way for her to tamp down speculation about her own life. If she wrote a song about a fight with Joe and it had specific details about things he said or did, that would follow him forever. My other hot take is that My Tears Ricochet, Mad Woman, and Hoax are all about her master's fight. But I think that's pretty mainstream thinking. End quote. So thank you just reviewing 8484 because I totally agree with like everything you said, especially with Taylor taking one piece from real life and making a story Mm -hmm. out of it because i've honestly Mm -hmm. thought that as long as i've been a taylor fan because you know not every single song she's ever written can be exactly what happened you know Uh, well first off my mind right when you said that immediately started thinking about getaway car because i don't think that that whole scenario was exactly how it happened Mm -hmm. i feel like that was very metaphorical but also i feel like we need this person on the podcast because what that was amazing great way to end the discussion too it wraps it all up we have a lot of exciting episodes coming up for y'all especially our swifty confessions please submit all of your swifty confessions to us through gfa weekend at gmail.com by december 13th that's taylor's birthday make sure you say what you want us to refer to you as And you can send an audio recording if you want. And don't forget, we also have a contest going on right now for a signed, autographed, authentic folklore CD and merch top of your choice. You can pick out your own t-shirt, y'all. Just remember, write us a review, take a screenshot, and email it to us at gfaweekend.com. It's that easy. And you can also add your submission to that 
and we will announce the winner of this contest in our first episode of 2021, our kickoff, our predictions for the year that's coming ahead. We love y'all and can't wait to share our upcoming episodes. Yes. And until then, keep swifting. G-Faw out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.